to the Brunel community. Well, we hope you're safe and sound, you're excited about the ease of, of restrictions, and that you've had a lovely Easter break. Um, today, we have Telmo here. Hi, Ev. And we are also interviewing uh, Ailey Boscher, who is going to tell us a little bit about music law and, um, and all that we have to know as musicians about copywriting and how all of that is established. Hello, Hayley, how are you doing? Hello, I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me on your podcast today. You're welcome. It's our pleasure. And I definitely think that all you know, the, the Brunel Music students and the, the Brunel Music community will be very excited to hear about what you have in store for us today. Thank you. Well, before we start, let me just uh, ask, how's everyone's Easter break going? I mean, um, we've got you in it. How, how are you getting on with, the, with this uh, break? Well, as a, a student, there was a lot to do. There's, there's no break there. There's no break. It all, is, is that it? deadline that's, that's time. Fake news. It is. <laughs> it's fake news. Yeah. There's, uh, yeah, I had, I had actually a very nice Easter weekend. I enjoyed some time off. Um, away from Zoom and, and, and laptop and Microsoft Word and all that, um, and the musical instruments as well. That's awesome. That's awesome. How well, we're, we're music students, and uh, but music doesn't really stop. It's no. mostly the assignments, really. <laughs> but um, never mind. Uh, bringing us on to uh, Brunel Waves interview. This is, uh, again, as Inez has said, uh, we're talking with Hayley Bosher. Uh, she's going to tell us a little bit about copywriting. Um, so, Hayley, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, what do you do? What's your area of expertise? Sure. So, um, I am an intellectual property law uh, expert, I suppose. <laughs> I'm a senior lecturer in the Brunel Law School, and I teach all areas of intellectual property. But my main area of expertise, is, especially in my research, is copyright. And I recently wrote a book called Copyright in the Music Industry, which was aimed at musicians, performers, artists, and everybody working in the music industry to help them understand more about their rights. It is primarily about copyright, but also there are lots of other related rights that are important for artists and musicians and performers to know about. Um, copyright is kind of the central theme, but there's lots of other related things as well. Um, and alongside that, I also have a podcast called Whose Song Is It Anyway, where we talk to people in the music industry. Um, and there's quite a good dynamic because I'm an academic and a researcher. It's co-hosted with Jules O'Riordan, who is a artist and a practicing lawyer. And then we invite guests from the music industry and they bring that perspective and we discuss different elements of music and music rights. That's pretty awesome. Amazing. That's really cool. Um, so basically having uh, that podcast really allows you to kind of like keep up and see uh, what's going on and just like communicate also what you know, not only through the book, but through different various medias, um, which is awesome. Uh, my question is, uh, a lot of people may be a little bit confused about what copyrights is. And uh, honestly, as, as, as a musician myself, I, sometimes I get a bit confused um, how to copyright my music, uh, how to do it. And there's like so many information online. Um, and what's the difference really between using something that 
you know, that's a piece of music that someone else did to sampling. There's a lot to it. Um, but essentially, what do, what do you see as being copyright? What is the definition of, of a copyright? Well, first of all, I just want to say you're absolutely not alone when in your sort of <laughs> confusion about copyright, which is why I wrote the book and why we did the podcast is to help people because it's very common. So also for listeners, if you don't know what copyright is, you're not alone. Most mm -hmm. people don't. And especially people who should really know about it, like people who are musicians, because it is how the law protects your art and your work. So it's a massively important asset for you, but it's something that very often goes unspoken about until you might sign a record deal or a publishing deal. And then there's this word copyright and you're a bit like, I don't know. And, <laughs> you know, um, so I think it's, it's really normal that you don't know. Ultimately, yeah. what copyright is, is a type of intellectual property right, which means it's just a law that, protects an intangible asset. So a thing that's not physical, like a song. Um, copyright also protects lots of other things like literary works, books, films. Um, it protects the composition of the music of the song, but also the sound recording of the song has a separate copyright as well. Um, mm. And it gives the person who owns that copyright certain rights that allows them to be the only person who can copyright copy their copyright protected work. And then what happens is you can use that right as an asset. So you can sell it or you can license it and receive royalties when people play or use your music. So that's like a really basic starting point of what copyright is. And to be honest, it is something that can seem complicated. It does sometimes come across as something that's like a bit airy-fairy, you know, abstract. But honestly, once you get into it and once you get your head around it, it, it is simple. It just sounds a bit crazy and like can't really like pin it down. It's not something you can point to like that's copyright mm -hmm. um, in the same way that because there are other types of intellectual property rights, like a trademark. And I feel like trademarks easier to understand sometimes because you can point to it. You can be like, this is the Apple symbol and that's yeah, a trademark. I was going to ask, is that mm -hmm. something visual about trademark and and, and intellectual property because you can't really see music you can hear it and people go like oh I can do that no you, no you can't you you cannot sound like me that sort of thing um is, is yeah that exactly so I think that's what makes trademark more easy to understand because you can show it and you can see it with mm -hmm. copyright it's intangible things that is yeah exactly as you say you can hear the music some things are tangible like a piece of art is copyright protected and the sound recording is so when you record something like record your song and you fix it how we say in copyright um, then it becomes the sound recording which has its own copyright and in the same way that like a book it the story is copyright protected but you also have the physical book printed on the page mm -hmm. um so there are there is of course like tangible elements to it but also what copyright protects is that like you say the song that you can hear mm -hmm. wow uh, this is really interesting here. And a, a question, Are, is copyright law um, the same pretty much in, in every country? So worldwide, are they, do they vary? Is, you know, do you, if you release music, you know, internationally, um, does, is that going to affect the, uh, your, in, you know, international law of copyright, if that's uh, a thing? 
Yeah, it's a really good question. And it's really important to know that copyright is what we call a territorial right, which means it's within the country. And so France have a different copyright. US has a different copyright. Singapore has a different copyright. UK has a different copyright. We all have different tiny little tweaks in our laws that are different. Like France has what's called a private copying exception and we don't. France have moral rights that last forever. Ours only lasts as long, 70 years after the death of the creator. So there's all these nuances. However, there are things called international agreements, which mean at a very high level, all the countries sign an agreement that says we will enable a level of harmonization that allows trade. So basically anyone who signed this international convention called the Berne Convention, um, there is copyright in yeah. those countries. And it's most countries have signed this thing. And um, it means that when you go to that country, your copyright will be uh, respected. So there is international kind of recognition of copyright, but each country has its own individual rules. And it's important to know specifically if you're using, for example, a copyright exception, what's legal in one country might be illegal in another country. Yeah. Um, so it is important to kind of understand if you're using other people's work, um, what that would look like, depending on where you're doing it. If, when you're saying about if you wanted to produce music and you obviously, it's such a crazy way of thinking about it, isn't it? Because we're like, music is international. The mm -hmm. internet is international. Like, yeah. but copyright is not. And this yeah. does create tension. It does create issues. But I one thing to be aware of is that, so when you have a song and it's played on the radio or um, in a bar or a restaurant, as the musician who created that song, you have rights in that song and you get paid through what's called a collecting society. In the UK, it's called PRS for Music or PPL, depending on the use. If your song is played in other countries, you can also sign up to those collecting societies and get money from them as well. And that's something that actually lots of people aren't aware of. Um, so you can also get paid for the use of your music in other countries, but because they run on different legal systems, mm -hmm. then um, it doesn't always come back through. And you might get a different amount of money depending on which country it's from and what the use is and all this kind of stuff. So mm -hmm. you can get into it and there is a lot, but the, at the very basic, it's important to know that like there's a general copyright international agreement level of like yes we all have copyright but there's nuances and each country has different rules yeah absolutely um do you think like people can get away with like not following these laws do you think there's there's flaws in in the system the fact that it, it is not you know copyright isn't an international thing for music um do you think that it might have a, a little flaw impact there well, there's two things to say there. Like, first of all, the fact that copyright is different in different countries, it might seem like a bad thing or a negative thing, but actually what it does is it reflects the culture. A really good example is in some countries, there's a copyright exception for the use of music in worship. Oh, and I it depends on the national religion of that country that they have felt it's important to allow for the free use of music for the purpose of worship. We don't have it in the UK. It's not something that we feel the need to have in this particular country. So it's a good example of showing that the nuances are sometimes because of culture. And so there's certain things that they feel is important and needs to have a copyright exception. Other things we think 
no, you can you can license that. Um, directly answering your question, though, I would say that yes, of course, people get away with it, mm. and that copyright is not perfect. But I would say this: copyright is kind of like an idea. The idea of copyright, the principle of copyright, is to remunerate creators to give them something back in when they share their creative in this example say music so when you put out your music the time and effort and energy and you know perfecting your craft and all of that that you put in to your work is returned to you with your copyright and through that you get money you get paid so that as a principle I think is great and we should keep that so the laws and the policy change all the time and that's where the problems can arise that's things like how do people get away with copyright infringement because the law isn't maybe perfect in that area hasn't been able to keep up with certain technologies like we mentioned streaming earlier this is a really good example of a contentious area of copyright law that needs updating for the streaming world Mm -hmm. yeah so I try to think of it like there's two different things like the principle of copyright great but we need to always be criticizing and improving the policy and what the law says yeah yeah that's that's it's a very good point and it it makes me kind of think about what is exactly uh, um, a piece of music or something that we've created that doesn't belong to anyone else And, and so this is kind of it will kind of relate to my next question uh but the example that I want to give is um in some countries music is very much a cultural thing it's part of a beat like if you go to central africa there's groups that get together and just play endless drums and there's a there's it's music it's art you can call it art but there's not necessarily intellectual property associated to that because it's an involvement of a community while as if you're listening to um uh, you know the latest top 10 tracks in in the u.s this is uh, a bunch of musicians, a bunch of producers that re- worked on this particular track that then got released under their names. And, and my question is, is there a difference um, to intellectual property, uh, to music itself as a community? And how can we differentiate this? That's a really good question. Um, and I would definitely recommend that we do an episode with Munya Chinetsa on the uh, podcast. And he is um, mm. a publisher for, uh, well, he's in South Africa, but he works throughout the whole of Africa. So if you're interested in music in Africa, it's a really yeah, good episode. Yeah. He's so actually, well informed. Yeah. So he's great. Um, so I'm not going to pretend to know as much as he does about the the continent of Africa but what I would say is this so copyright doesn't last forever it lasts for 70 years after the death of the creator most of the time but there's again lots of nuances depends what country you're in etc and so when you're talking about something like community I'm thinking what's coming to my mind is what you're saying is like folk music or, or something like a nursery rhyme that's been around for a really long time then it would be out of copyright and in the public domain anyway because of how old it is. I don't think just because something is community music, it should not be protected by copyright because it means that what can happen is the exploitation of that music without remunerating the people that created it. And especially because you mentioned Africa, I feel like cultural appropriation can happen more readily when you don't you know, respect the rights of the people who made the music in the first place. And I think that's really, really important to do. So I would say that there is work 
becomes what we say in the public domain for everybody, freely available for anybody to use for two reasons, basically because it's old and the copyright has expired or because it's too, what we call like generic. So right. in, you will know this better than me because you're musicians, but you know, like in any genre of music, say like the blues chords, you have to use those basic chords in order for it to fit within that genre of music. And therefore those are not copyright protectable. They're freely you available. And you can't own chords, uh, chords, can you? So you, uh, can, you cannot Yeah, you don't own, exa exactly. You don't own the chords. The chords are available for everyone to use. And in copyright, we call this the idea expression dichotomy. And what that means is there's no copyright protection for an idea. It's only the individual expression of that idea that is protected. And it's really important to remember that, that like you can take inspiration from other people's music and you can take the generic parts of music. So like the bunch of chords, that the same chords that are used in every pop song or the same chords that are used in a lot of blues music. And again, even in genres like you were saying about a beat, so certain genres of um, like American hip hop, they use the same beat or um, drum and bass music pretty much uses the same beat every time and then you know you're listening to drum and bass. So that stuff wouldn't be copyright protected because it's we would consider it the idea. It's the individual expression, it's what you do with those generic things to make them original by putting in your own personality, your own personal touch, making your own choices. That's the part that's protectable and that's the part that you can't copy. That's actually a really good explanation. That made it very, very clear to Absolutely, us. Absolutely, yeah. Definitely. Um, so who has uh, ownership of like a certain song if multiple writers are involved, let's say? That's a good question. And um, first of all, you have to know that in copyright and in music industry, everything is managed by contracts. So there's the thing that the law says, this is what happens. And then contracts can sit on top of that. And a contract is literally just an agreement between two people or two organizations that's recognized by law. That's all that means. Mm -hmm. And you can decide what you want the contract to say. So that's why sometimes you would hire a music lawyer to negotiate the contract for you because they might get you a better deal than if you were on your own. And so basically the answer to your question would be whatever the contract says, which means whatever we negotiated. But let's say that... Um, you have five writers and they all had great lawyers who negotiated strongly for them, then maybe the rights would be split one fifth each. Mm -hmm. There's currently a lot kicking off about this because sometimes nowadays it's very common to have a songwriter or several write a song for a famous artist. Mm -hmm. And then the famous artist is somehow able to negotiate their name being put on the songwriting credits, even though they didn't contribute to the writing of the song. And this has been happening in the music industry forever. Elvis is very famous for doing this. He always wanted to be putting his names on songs that he didn't write. And the reason, it's not just morally wrong, but also you get paid as a songwriter, as I was saying, when the song gets played on the radio, you get a royalty for that. So it's not really fair. If you didn't write the song, you shouldn't be getting paid royalty every time. As the performer, so the artist that the song's been written for, you get a different type of royalty for your performance. So you still get paid, but you don't need to take the money from the songwriters if you didn't write the song. And then you have arrangements as well. So arrangers that also get different, I suppose, different types of, of royalties as well. That's, that's very cool. Is there any famous examples of 
copyright infringements. I know a few, but uh, I, I wanted to hear from you if there's, because you're obviously <laughs> the specialist here. Yeah, um, if there's something really polemic, like we can gossip about. <laughs> yeah, we like a bit of gossip. Well, there's actually hundreds. There's so many examples. And I made a playlist of all the songs. Oh, so, yeah, you can go check out the playlist. playlist. Yeah, it's called Copyright in the Music Industry by Hayley Boshai. It's on Spotify and Apple Music. And it actually forms like kind of like the bibliography of my book because it came from the book. And what happened was I was writing the book and I really was like listening to the songs as I was writing the stories about them and just enjoying the whole experience. And I thought, I want the people reading the book to do this. So I made a playlist. So you can go to the playlist and all the songs on there, they're not all infringement cases, but there's a lot of, there was something copyright case around that song. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're from all over the world. You get like the big famous ones from America are like the Blurred Lines case, you know, with Robin Thicke, because mm. he they lost um, a copyright infringement case against the Marvin Gaye estate. Um, Ed Sheeran's always getting in trouble for this kind of thing. He's three chord songs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's been sued. Uh, currently in the UK, there's an ongoing case between him and um, a guy called Sam Chokri, or his performance name is Sammy Switch. Um, and the, it's been going on for years, and the trial should be next January. And it's currently, they're estimating a three million pound case. So very expensive. Yeah, so check those two on the playlist. So you can go and have a listen and see what you think. But when you see the two that are this, that kind of like the same, you have to remember that it's okay to take inspiration and it's okay to take the parts that are generic. And this is exactly what's happening in the Ed Sheeran case. He's saying, or his legal team is saying, the parts that are the same as the other song are generic parts, so you can take them. Um, and the other side is saying that they're original parts. And so this is what happens. This is what they go to court and argue about. And, and that's whether it's so what I'm trying to say is when you listen to the playlist and you hear two songs that sound the same the test for copyright infringement is not do the songs sound the same because there's lots of factors that could mean two songs happen to just sound the same copyright is not a monopoly right which means you could sit in separate rooms and not hearing each other come up with two songs that are extremely similar if not exactly the same and if you never heard each other's songs before it's not copyright infringement it can't be Mm -hmm. because it's only the right to copy so i have to have first heard your song before you can sue me for copyright infringement and that's always the first question that they ask is they have to show that you've you've heard that song or there's a possibility that you've heard that song in order that you could have copied it there's also this thing called subconscious copying, which kind of throws a spanner in the works of that. Yeah, what? there's a famous... <laughs> I know, I know. There's a famous case. Um, I'm trying to remember who it was, the guy from the Beatles. Um, Is it Paul McCartney? Um, it's Paul, George, John... I think oh, it must have been Paul McCartney. Yeah, uh, yeah I know who the Beatles are, but thank you. <laughs> I was just trying to remember it right. Um, Anyway, he um, copied, well, you'll know if you go on the playlist, um, because he's on there. Um, Mm. He heard another song called She's So Fine. I can't remember which one is his and which one is Oh, hang on. That's definitely... She's so... That's got to be a Beatles song. It's got to be like Out of Abbey Road or something. She's so heavy. No, they have one. She's so heavy. 
um, was George Harrison, My Sweet Lord. And he copied <gasps> a song. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to oh, play it Listen. Oh, you won't be able to hear it because I've got my... I don't know if you're able to hear it because I've got my headphones, but... Can you hear this? Yeah, yeah we got this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely the one. Wait till you hear this. You're going to be really sad. Oh. Oh, wow. Exactly the same. The whole song. So what happened? Wow. So who's the other song? So It's called He's So Fine by The Chiffons. And it was a number one hit, yeah? And George Harrison then writes a song called My Sweet Lord, which is almost exactly the same, like, melodically, different lyrics. And um, the Chiffons sued him for copyright. Yeah, but they sued him for copyright infringement and they won. He said that he had heard of that song before, but he didn't intentionally copy. And the court said, but the songs are so exactly the same that it must have been subconscious. Like he was uh, playing around on his guitar and those chords fit because he'd heard it from a successful song before, which is crazy because he didn't do it on purpose, but there's Mm -hmm. no defense for not knowing. And that's why a lot of um, artists these days get a musicologist to make sure that their song is not a copy of another song. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, and I think that's a little bit, yeah, but it's crazy that he didn't even know. It's just so so extreme that obviously as musicians, you, you tend to, you know, the people that you are your idols, the people that you kind of idealize your music about and and that inspire you is what is going to trans, you know, literally transpire in your playing. So we just have to be so careful with what we are releasing. And yeah, I think it's just mind blowing to even think that you know a subconscious copywriting um could just be you know a thing and you know I mean it is an extreme case because if you listen to the two songs they are pretty much identical um in like the chord phrasing and everything but what I would say is it's not copyright infringement to take inspiration from other people's work like you said that's exactly the whole point that's how you learn music you play other people's songs when you're learning an instrument and Mm-hmm. I actually love it when you hear an artist's inspiration come through in their own work. But what you must do is add your own personal touch. That's the originality part. It's when you add your expression and, you know, the way you see the world. I always say to my law students, it's like if we all took like some paint and some easels and sat at the same point on top of a hill and painted the same view, they would all look so different, even though we were using the same equipment and looking at the same view because we have different perspectives, different talents, different views, different creativity. And so there's a million different ways of doing things. And although in music, you know, there's only a certain number of notes and you're usually working within the framework of your genre, Mm -hmm. there's still every day a new song that's different to the one that you've heard before. Like there's different, because we're all individuals as people. So you just bring through your individual expression and that's what makes your work original. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, there's there's this particular point. There's so much that, that we we wanted to cover, but I just wanted to bring this point about uh, blues musicians and then the blues revival, blues rock mm. revival in the '60s. So obviously, we got the Rolling Stones, the Beatles, oh, this. British invasion bands uh, going to America and listening to American music and bringing sort of like uh, 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 playing these songs that are just belong to Robert Johnson or all of these Delta blues players that didn't have a dime mm. and they were just playing random clubs and it, they didn't probably they didn't even know that they were getting recorded most of the times. So um, it, it's it, it's hard to explain how copyright grew uh, copyright laws grew so much since. Um, but my uh, my question to you would be really, we, we've been through so much. How can we today protect our ideas? Um, because, it, you know, we're living in 2021. How can we, uh, do we, do we need to pay anyone or is it working with PRS enough? Okay, it's a good question. So uh, as I said earlier, copyright does not protect ideas. So an idea in your mind is not protectable. But once you sit down and you write your lyrics or you um, make your composition, then that is expressed and it's not an idea anymore. It's your individual expression of that idea. Yeah. Um, in the UK, the law says that in order for copyright to subsist, it has to be one of the types of things that copyright protects. So if it's a song, you're, you're good. Um, lyrics as well is protected separately as literary work. Um, and it has to be original, which we've covered how you do that. And then it has to be fixed in permanent form. So that just means you have to record it or write it down. That's it. And then you have copyright. Ta-da! It's really <laughs> easy. easy. You don't have to record, you don't have to register it, and you don't have to pay for it to be registered. There are places that you can register your copyright. And I think people do that because they it gives them a sense of, certainty in the registration of their copyright but it's not necessary especially in this country in other countries like in america you have to register your copyright in order to be able to enforce it so that's why it's more common and i think that's where the misconception comes from that people think that you have to register your copyright but you don't you can what i would say is um should there ever be a copyright dispute in the future the best thing to do is keep a record of your creative process not just the finished product and that's because sometimes like I'll give you an example so I used to work at the University of the Arts in London and we had this student and he um, uploaded a picture to Instagram and two weeks later he was a fashion student two weeks later a, a Gucci or someone like a massive fashion house um, mm. uploaded a very similar image and the student gets cross, wants to sue Gucci, all this stuff kicks off. But Gucci just quickly showed us that they had this idea in the works and they'd had a meeting about it and they had records and all the inspiration for their work from two months before the student had posted on Instagram and uh -huh. therefore the case is closed. Because remember, two people can come up with the same idea individually and if they didn't copy each other, it's not infringement. So sometimes if there ever is a dispute, it's really good to show your creative process. It's kind of more compelling than, than just saying, this is what I made on this date. You can also show your inspiration. And so if anyone says you copied my work, you can be like, no, I was working on this basis. And that can sometimes put to bed any issues straight away. Um, and so keeping 
the date can also be helpful, right? Because like in the example I just said, the Gucci, they had made it before and in which case they couldn't have possibly copied. Um, so yeah, you don't need to register, but I would recommend keeping a record of your creative process should there ever be a dispute in the future. That's, but you should awesome. register with PRS and PPL because that's how you get royalty payments for your work. Yeah. Luckily, we're in a band and we actually did that. Mm -hmm. And um, and yeah, I, my, my thing is, is that it's, it's so expensive, you know, like especially for a band or a group or an artist that is just starting. But it guarantees your, um, you know, your royalties for forever, really. I mean, for Absolutely. as long as you want, um, which is which is a great thing. And having your your work written down and, and, and just just with your name on it really officially with your name on it mm -hmm. and which takes me to uh, the next question Inez and I, I know that you've got a couple of things that you want to ask as well but is my question is I'm a young artist I just got a couple of songs that I want to release I don't really have I'm a student I have not a lot of money uh, I want to have this out what should I do? Should I put it on Spotify? Should I put it on SoundCloud? And this is not a marketing question, but is it more like, is it worth getting PRS as a young artist? Well, I do have to give the caveat of being, I'm a copyright expert, not like you said, I'm not a marketing expert, I'm not really yeah. a copyright industry expert as such. And I would say that there is a lot of options out there. If you don't have a record deal or a publishing deal, you can do it yourself. And this is becoming more and more popular, um, especially with young artists. And there are lots of options, but you should really do your homework on what those options are and see what works for you and talk to people who are doing those things. There's lots of resources out there now. You can join not just PRS and PPL, which are the collecting societies, but you should also join the union, the musicians union, or there's like, um, depending on what type of artist you are. So there's the Featured Artist Coalition, which is for the featured artists. There's uh, the Music Managers Forum for if you want to be a music manager. There is the Ivers Academy for songwriters. And all of mm -hmm. these amazing organizations, they do workshops, they help people with exactly this question. They are the people who know way more than I do about what the answer <laughs> would be. And it would depend entirely on like what kind of music you're doing and what your aims are. And, you know, th there's lots of different factors. I think doing your research and your homework and talking to people and joining these organizations would be super, super helpful. Um, and particularly with everything that's going on, like probably you've seen in the news with like artists and musicians and performers not being happy with the royalties that they do receive from Spotify and I mean, YouTube is even less, so I wouldn't recommend doing that. <laughs> um, yeah. But the same, mm. you know, it's, it, is a, it is a marketing question and it does depend on the, on the situation, but there's lots of options and there's lots of organizations and resources out there to help you. Now, we appreciate that. And it's definitely something if you're a musician out there, um, it, this is something or a songwriter or whatever you do, producer, those are, those are some of your options. Just Google it and mm. do, do your homework. Absolutely. Now, uh, bringing it to the to the topic of you know what we're doing now—a podcast or a radio show. Haley, how do we do everything wrong, and when like do we need ending up you know you know legal advice? When do we you know put the paw in the puddle kind of thing? Mm. Um, <laughs> that's a good question. I mean, <laughs> I feel like. 
one thing to know about is copyright exceptions and they can be very, very useful, right? So a copyright exception is a time when you don't need the copyright holder's permission to use their work. However, each copyright exception has its own kind of factors that you have to take into consideration or things that you need to do. For example, like you still have to name who the creator is or who the rights holder is. And so um, basically there's a copyright exception for what's called criticism or review. There's a copyright exception for quotation. There's a copyright exception for news reporting, for education. There's lots of different things that can fall under the copyright exception. But again, you really need to do your homework because of each one has a different set of rules. I can recommend this website called copyrightuser.org, which really clearly sets out what those factors are for each type of copyright exception. And if you're planning to use one, if you're like, I think this is a parody and I think that's okay, just go onto that website and just check what the factors are and make sure you've done everything that you needed to do should an issue arise later. The other thing I would say is that a lot of, like with my um, podcast, I also put like short videos on YouTube and YouTube can be quite helpful from that perspective because it will flag it straight away if you're doing something wrong. And then it will mm -hmm. give these give options to the rights holder, so not you, if you're the uploader, it will give options to the rights holder where they can monetize from your video by advertising, or they can block your video, or they can mute the content that they don't want on there. Or you can even, it gives you the option to go and edit your video and take out the thing that you shouldn't be using, or mm -hmm. you can go and get a license if you really want to use it and do it legitimately. So um, yeah, there is there again, there are some, there are some options. Great. That's, that's really helpful because, you know, I can imagine that for the Brunel community, there must be so many people who, you know, are into podcasts and maybe they want to start their own and, you know, they, they want to play music there, but they have to think about something really important, which is, you know, copywriting. And, you know, if I may ask, so um, playing a piece of music from another artist in a podcast can get you in a pickle. What, what is the best way um to kind of get yourself covered in a way? What kind of licensing do you have to obtain to be able to do that? Well, it's a good question. And the thing is, you might not actually need a license because if you're doing criticism and review, so if you're reviewing the song or, you know, for example, just a minute ago when I played that song, like maybe you'll cut it from the um, actual recording so that it doesn't get automatically taken down by the automatic system. But technically, from a copyright perspective, you could leave that because what we were doing is exactly criticism and review. We were reviewing the issue around those songs. And so we need to hear them in order to do that. And that's completely legal. The problem is that the systems, like the technology is automatic. It's not a person sitting there being like, ooh, does this fall under a copyright exception? It's just a computer <laughs> that's like, you've used our copyright work. No. So what you could do in that situation is fight it. You, when you get the, no, the takedown notice, you can go back and say, actually, no, we are wrong. Um, this is a copyright exception. And sometimes that does work and it should really work because like I said, that's exactly a like this really good example of criticism and review. I'd have no doubt in my mind that that would be allowed because we just played a snippet. We mentioned that the, we did all the factors. If you look them up, what you need to do, like name the artist. And we did critique because we talked about the case. Um, the problem is that the power still falls in the hands of the technology and the rights holder. If they say, we don't believe you or we disagree, 
then, you know, we're not going to go to court and fight about it because who has the time or the money to do that? And so sometimes you just have to let it go, uh, which is unfortunate. And this is definitely one of those things where I was talking about earlier, where the policy and the law and the technology isn't isn't quite aligned. Because mm. in that exact situation, the law says it's fine, but whether you can actually do it or not, physically is a different <laughs> kind of story. Um, what I would say is that, like you said, you need to be aware that music is protected by copyright and there's this rights holder. And if it's a famous song that you're talking about, it's not actually like George Harrison that owns that song, it will be the record label. And so they are the rights holders who have these background agreements with all of the platforms and they decide what they want to do when someone uploads the, the, like the match of the sound on that platform. And so there is like kind of a lack of control there. Um, if you if you really did want to do it genuinely for the purpose of criticism and review, then you could fight it. Um, but if you weren't doing that, like, you know, some people have podcasts where they just play music. And actually, my co-host, Judge Jules, he has <laughs> his own music podcast. And as a DJ, I think you have to, they, you, there are licenses you can get um, through PRS or through PPL. It's not always like a realistic option for everybody. And so sometimes they try to like cut and edit the songs in a way that doesn't trigger the takedown. Um, and actually PRS, because of lockdown, where people started doing live streaming kind of gigs, PRS did um, open out a new license option for that exact type of use. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a bit of controversy around it, but they yeah. still tried. Uh, they tried so, up with the times, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So sometimes there genuinely isn't a license available for the thing that you want to do, especially if it's like a modern thing. Like there's no specific, I want to use this song in my podcast license. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, you might find, a, you might be able to find a license from P, 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 PRS or PRL. If it's like one specific song, you could go to the rights holder and ask their permission. Depends, depends on what you want to do and how badly you want to use it with it not being an issue. Um, mm -hmm. If you just want to use like generic music, like background music, then you could, of course, just get a license from um, like a platform that provides that um, or use music that's in the public domain. So there's no copyright anymore. That seems to to answer a lot of questions for me personally about uh, some of my favorite YouTubers like Rick Beato. <laughs> Um, for those who don't know, Rick Beato is an amazing sort of like music deconstructor. He's he's just a brilliant um, songwriter, but also music theory master. And he, sometimes he, he, he sort of like does uh, guitar lessons or deconstructs certain songs where he needs to give examples of snippets of the actual song. Otherwise, you know, how are you going to know what song he's playing or what, which part of the guitar he's teaching? And um, so um, there was this particular Led Zeppelin song he got his video demonetized and there was like a massive rant about it. Like all the entire social community in his, in his channel went bonkers. But, um, but yeah, I, I mean, as you said, it's good to know that they're actually not like evil people behind this is computer, uh, related. Exactly. <laughs> but, um... Well, exactly. And with things like YouTube, there's so much content uploaded all the time. It was not physically possible for them to have people to do, to check it all the time. And so that's why sometimes with this exact, it's a really good example of what you're saying, because there would have been like backlash and uproar and then an actual person would have looked at it and been like, oh, this is probably okay because it's criticism and yeah. review. Yeah. I, I have a question actually. Do you know 
if there's you know anything um so any upcoming copyright laws um going for the instagram reels because you see more often now now people just using it for their personal posts you know um oh the tiktok the um, tiktok yeah but sort of um like yeah the dancers on tiktok sorry i, I mean i'm 28 but i talk like tiktok <laughs> like i'm 50 um <laughs> So, you know, the reels are becoming a a big thing now where people are putting music in their posts. Um, Is that, in in all means, how is that being monetized by artists or is it actually being monetized by artists or should be? What do you think? It's a really good, good, good question. So all of the music, all of the social media platforms pretty much have background licenses. So TikTok is one of them, Instagram is one of them, Facebook, all of these, not, I don't think Twitter does, but, and TikTok was late to the party with paying actual proper royalties, especially in like the US and UK. So, but now they do, they do have license agreements. So when you go on to, I also talk about TikTok like I'm 50, because I don't have it, but it's (laughs) like when you go on to TikTok, and you can choose a song from the available library to, or you copy, you know, it allows you to use a sound clip that you've seen from someone else's video, right? But it's already within the app. So if you use a song within the app, you're using it from the TikTok library, which is licensed in the background. So every time the song is used, it doesn't actually work on that kind of like pay per listen thing. They just paid money to some of the rights holders, like the record labels and then the record labels share some of that money with the artists hmm. it's very okay. controversial yeah what if say because... artist without a record label what if it yeah if it's exactly an... and also it's all of this happened under a contract which we'll never see because it's a private contract between the record labels and tiktok so artists who even get paid don't know how much they get paid, how much their song was used. There's no transparency, which is rubbish. There really should be better um, transparency of like how much they pay per use or was it just like a massive lump sum? How do they decide who gets what money? Because with stuff like streaming, it's also not pay per listen. The people you listen to don't get your money that you pay for your subscription. This is a really common like confusion about how it, and that's why we've seen recently one of the reasons why we've got this whole um like you're saying about new laws like maybe we're going to get a new streaming law because the songwriters and artists have been like this is not okay but again there's no transparency we don't really know how they divide up who gets what money but we know that it's definitely not done on what's called like user-centric which is like i've listened now to george harrison he doesn't get any of my apple pay money for that it will just they they divide it however they see fit So anyway, sorry, back to your social media question, right? TikTok pay a license for the use of their library music, which we can use as users, same as Instagram. If you upload your own, say like, I'm gonna make a video and there's music playing in the background, then again, it comes down to automatic systems within each app where they should, um, they again have deals with the rights holders that they will block or take down. Um, Sometimes they'll mute the background music um, again mm-hmm. it doesn't always align with the law because there's a there's another copyright exception called incidental inclusion which is like if there's something accidentally in the background you shouldn't really get sued for that um, and it should be fine but the apps technology again with the copyright exceptions they don't really understand what's in, 
incidental inclusion. It's not always incidental, like you're saying, for the TikTok video, the music is actually an essential part of that. So it wouldn't be yeah. considered incidental. Um, so it's different. You have to use the music from the library in order for it to be legit. And if you use your own music, sometimes it will be taken down. Exactly. So don't get surprised if you if you have a, an old video with the radio playing in the background and you're driving somewhere that your video does get taken down. You're saying that because it actually happened to <laughs> that me. That actually happened to me, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh yeah, I understand it. Absolutely, yeah. I, yeah. I completely understand. Well, yeah, I, I genuinely believe there should be a, a, a lot more of uh, people like you, Hayley, because we need more uh, people supporting the artists and uh, we need... Uh, we need to get paid for what we do, which yeah. is which is music. And uh, the more the more copyright laws we have following the new trends and technology developments, uh, the the better we will be in a position of you know of being monetized, which is mm -hmm. just the, the you know the most reasonable common sense thing to do to anyone that produces anything. Uh, so um, exactly. so really want to thank you for being on the show today. Um, and, um, and yeah, I mean, uh, just picking up on that, uh, Spotify, um, point that we talked just about 10 or 15 minutes ago, um, we don't, we're not expecting Spotify, uh, and other streaming services to pay huge amounts as we know through the years, they've been, uh, terrible at, um, well, from a musician point of view, it is, it is quite just, just 0 0.006, something like that per stream or per play, um, which is, it is what Very it is, uh, but, but pretty bad, but it is what it is. Uh, so don't you think that the, the rushing into these copyright laws into social media could be a thing that could save the artists in terms of streaming revenue? Yeah, so um, if you haven't been following it, there's currently um, what's called, basically the government have a special committee where they're looking into streaming because the artists and the performers have been like, kicking off which is great they're standing up for themselves and saying no this is not okay we should be getting more and it's really important like yes spotify stream the money that you get is really low and it's even less from places like youtube and then i suspect it will even be less from from the social media platforms but we don't actually know because it's all secret so transparency is a massive problem because also for the artists, but also for the users, like you were saying about improving the situation, a lot of the time the users don't understand that their money is not going to their favorite artists. And if they knew, I think they would be pretty annoyed about it. Um, but also with these background contracts going on, it also confuses people about what you're allowed to do with music because they think that it's free, but it's not free, it's being paid for in the background. So maybe if they were more upfront about it, people would understand more about like, what copyright is and how that can help the pay for the artist. Um, so yeah, the streaming inquiry is really interesting and it's ongoing. They're going to produce a report probably in May and then the government will decide if they will legislate or not. It's not necessary. They don't have to legislate and they may not, but the fact that it's all been brought to the surface, you've been probably seeing it in the news and that's been amazing. And that's sort of like definitely ho hopefully going to, uh, bring about some change that will benefit the musicians and the artists. I think the thing about Spotify, and by the way, everything on that, they, where they interview all the different people is recorded. So you can go onto the government website and you can watch them. And they they interview someone from, from Spotify. They argue that they can't put the price up because, you know, it's been like £10 subscription or whatever, forever. Same with like Apple mm. Music. They argue yeah. that they can't put the price up for the user because they're competing with free because YouTube is free. 
And then they also, Spotify, don't actually make a turnover, like they don't make profit. So the problem they say is that it's not actually, Spotify is not the problem. They have two problems. They have piracy or free is a big competitor for them. And then also the fact that the record labels make like trillions, <laughs> like lots and lots and lots of money, but it doesn't trickle down to the to the artists and the musicians and the performers. So that is where they're focusing mm-hmm. their energy actually to look at the division, to try and make more of an equitable share. So the people who are so integral to the music, the people actually making the music and performing the music should be doing as well as these hot shots in the, you know, the big three record labels, but even the, the smaller ones. Um, it's about sh- the fact that the lots of the contracts and the business models are based on a world that doesn't exist anymore. And so it does need modernizing, does need updating. Mm-hmm. The law can do some of that, but actually I think there needs to be changes within the music industry itself and the contracts and things like that as well in order for things to be more uh, like all round fair. It's about time, definitely. Uh, I'm. I feel like you know that there's a glimpse of hope here for us as yeah. artists, because yes, I definitely agreed there, um, Haley. There must be a, a division between you know whoever is already up there in their record labels and the people who are emerging. You know, the young artists that are not relying on a record deal that are you know self-sufficient that are putting themselves out there working very very hard to do um the job that you know takes you know a dozen of people to do to release music and to put music out there so thank you so very much for all your amazing insight this has been fantastic and for all those musicians out there this is a must listen so do tune in um and we would like to thank as well the Brunel community. It's uh, it's a pleasure to to be here for you. And yeah. From my side, I just want to say again, thank you, Haley, for being here. Um, it's uh, important to mention that Spotify's got some very interesting news coming up for a new uh, rebranding of the platform. And uh, they are changing a few things around. Hopefully we will talk about it soon because this is something that is actually quite interesting. Mm-hmm. But um, there's not enough time for that. Uh, again, Haley uh, has got a uh, book called Copyright in the Music Industry. And, uh, and also has got a podcast, Whose Song Is It Anyway? Uh, please do check Haley Bosher and uh, check it out. Check it out. Thank you for listening to Brunel Waves. I'll see you next time. <laughs>